Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So good to be together wherever you're gathering. Have a seat at the campuses. Merry Christmas to you if you're 12 Stone Home, if you're in the online community. So good to be together today. Let's start right here. If you won the lottery, what would you buy yourself for Christmas? Last month, somebody won the largest lottery in the history of the U.S., $2 billion one person. If they take it in lump sum, they get roughly a billion, $370 million in taxes. They've, they're stuck with... 630 million. Rough, rough. Feel bad for him. If you were that person, what would you buy yourself for Christmas? Now, I already know, you know, well, well, I already know you would honor God with the, the tithe. So the first 100 million goes back to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You'd be happy to do that, wouldn't you? And, and I know you would give in today's Christmas offering. You'd probably throw several million in. Yay, that'll help lots of people. That'd be awesome. And let's just go ahead and assume you would buy yourself the house you wanted. We'd all do that. So I don't want you to say, oh, I'm going to get a house. We all know we'd all get a house. So with all of that off the table, anything else is on the table. I want you on the count of three, everybody, wherever you are, in-person campus, 12-stone home, online community, I don't care where you're listening. If you're in your car and you happen to be listening, I just want you to tell loud and proud, count of three, what would you buy for yourself for Christmas if you just won the lottery? Everybody ready? You got it in your head? You know what you want? Ready? One, two, three. Those are really great choices. I'm not sure I heard the right answer, but I'll give it to you. Supercar. Oh, yeah. This is what I would buy me one of these. I might buy all of them. I get a Ferrari, a Bugatti, maybe a Porsche 911 top line. Might get an Aston Martin. Might get a Lamborghini. I think just any one of them or all of them. Oh, that would be awesome. Because I love cars. Now, back in 1992, when 12 Stone was renting out the Jazzercise, I was 31 years old. I, I, I didn't have one of those. Couldn't afford that. Couldn't afford a, a, a Honda new car if I wanted. But right outside my door in the little office one day, lady was trying to start her good-looking Honda. And I just wouldn't start. Now, I can't, I can't do a lot. I'm not Mr. Mechanical, but... Like, I'm, I'm going to go out and see what I can do. So we got a little conversation. I said, well, tell me what's going on. She says, well, I, I bought a new car. I said, oh, how old is it? Cause it looks good. She says, I bought it almost two years ago. I bought a new car so that I wouldn't have car problems. And here I am. It won't start, stupid thing. I hear you. He said, well, you know, battery sounds good. The starters is working. You got gas? I got gas. I checked. Yeah, you got gas. How many miles you got? I said, like 30-some thousand miles. I said, all right. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not a mechanic, but can I check your oil? She said, sure. Pop the hood. And, and, and I, put, I pull out the dipstick. I mean, it's not registering. <laughs> I, I put it back in. I pull it out. It is bone dry. There's no evidence that there was ever any oil in the engine. I said, oh, my. She says, is that a problem? Hmm. Ma'am, and not my business, but 
when did you last check the oil and top it off? Or, or when did you get the last oil change? She said, well, I don't do that. I bought a new car, so I don't have to mess with that. <laughs> she was unaware. She was what? Unaware. unaware. I'm like, oh, ma'am. Uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but oil is the lifeblood of your engine. Like, oil is what lubricates all those moving parts and helps it run smooth. Uh, is that a problem? Oh, it's, it's a problem. Had to have the car towed, and I just broke my heart for her. I'm, like, I'm sure the engine is done, been done. And all it was was oil. What was it? Oil. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's it? It's been great. Last week, I met a friend, a brief meeting, but, but he, he drove by his car. It was an odyssey, and it looked a little rough, but I'm like, this, this, I didn't know he had this. And, oh, yeah, he said, this is my odyssey. We bought it brand new. This is one of our cars. We bought it brand new in 2000. We've owned it for 22 years. We just passed 350,000 miles. Oh, hey, how many of you have ever seen a car? I've never seen a car with 350,000 miles on it. That's impressive. Yeah, one car shuts down in 30,000, and one does 350,000. And just engine oil could make that difference. What God is about to teach us today, hang on, listen. What God's about to teach us today is to relationships what oil is to an engine. You got it? You got it? See, there's a question. Let, let's, let's bring up the question for the day. How do you build merry and bright relationships in a messy and broke world? She wanted merry and bright transportation. Man, she, she, she wanted 350,000 miles. She wanted this to be awesome and, and go well and be smooth and be trouble-free and problem-free. Of course she did. But that isn't what she got. She got messy and broke because she didn't understand how the engine works. Listen, if you don't understand how relationships work, they're just going to end up messy and broke. And sometimes it's as simple as understanding oil to the engine. And we're going to take a look at the story of Christmas, the coming of Jesus. And the insight is embedded in the story. It's not immediately obvious. You almost got to dig for it. And then once we do that, which we're about to do together, then, then we're going to find that same teaching direct, instructional, from the Holy Spirit through James, the younger brother of Jesus. And you'll see how this comes together. And at the end, you're going to be like, it was that simple. It's that simple. It's like oil to an engine. But before we jump into the story, I just want to give you some clues what to look for. As we read through the scripture, you'll come across saying. The, the, God sent the angel, and the angel was saying to Joseph. So here's what Joseph had to hear. He had to what? Hear. He had to what? Hear. He had to hear from the Lord and Mary. Then you'll see he did. See, Joseph had to do. He had to what? Do. He had to act, not merely hear. So you'll see when you read the story, he, ha he had to hear and act. That's it. This isn't a complicated day. Oil isn't 
uncomplicated. It just determines whether or not you have merry and bright transportation or messy and broke. Got it? Let's go. Let's jump into the story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, so now he's going to hear from God, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke from sleep, he what did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I'm going to talk a little bit about the importance of hearing and doing. Let's jump in to Jesus' story. Now, Joseph was betrothed, pledged. Doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Let me catch up to the culture. In first century Judaism, marriage would usually be arranged between two sets of parents, the parent of the groom, parent of the bride. They would arrange the marriage. Usually the bride and the groom, future couple, were not involved in this conversation. Wouldn't that just make everything easier for us parents? Say, I'll take her, I'll take him. That'd be great. We set it up for you. None of this dating hassle and difficulty. We're just going to solve the whole thing. It would usually be roughly a year before they'd get married. But during that betrothal period, they were considered married. Though they hadn't had the ceremony, hadn't been consummated yet. It was in that period of the time, the betrothal, that the angel came to Mary and, and said, you have been chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. This is a divine thing. This is by God's hand, by God's design. How profound. Now, Joseph hears about this. And of course, now this, if it was done during the period of betrothal, this would be considered adultery. So if she got pregnant from another man, this is adultery and this is punishable by death in the Old Testament law. So what is Joseph going to do? Hang on. What's he going to do? See, his merry and bright dream is now messy and broke. What's he going to do? And you see in the story, he starts to make a decision, make a conclusion without a conversation. I just want you to see this. Let me, we're going to unpack, we're going to kind of mine this little treasure in the story. He starts to make a conclusion before he hears from Mary or hears from God. That's it. Really simple, really small, really important. Hearing is really important. He almost decides to walk away. Think about this. If he hadn't bothered to hear from Mary and more importantly hear from God, If he hadn't heard anything more, he would have walked away from a merry and bright future because he had accurate but incomplete information. Isn't that interesting? So simple. It's just embedded in there. Now, there's this interesting conversation about, you know, what what did he know and what didn't he know? Historically, I grew up thinking, well, he knew that it it had to be an adulterous affair. That's what, like, like, in his mind... 
It had to be somebody else involved, so he's going to, you know, quietly put her away because she committed adultery and he didn't want to embarrass her. That, that's what I grew up understanding. There's reasons to believe that. But some of our early forefathers in the church, like Origen and Aquinas, they, they have different view, and I, and I see why they hold this view. The possibility, if not probability, is that Joseph didn't think it was an adulterous affair because literally in the verse before it says he knew it was from the Holy Spirit. Stay with me. He knew it was from the Holy Spirit. And would, would it really have been that, that Joseph is a just man if he had just dismissed the law? It says that he was a just man who followed the law. Would he have really been following the law if he just said, I'm going to put her away quietly? Did he have the right to forgive her sin before God? And there's no discussion of mercy. Matthew doesn't bother with that. Because there's no repentance. So what's really going on? There might be something to the early forefathers, some of their thoughts. It said what he really wrestled with is he lost his place. That he knew this was from the Holy Spirit. And he knew he had no place in this relationship because she had now been chosen. And he's not the father. And he has no future. And he doesn't understand. And so feeling like he's been put out. And he has no place. He'll just back out. Let this happen discreetly. And he loses his merry and bright future. And then he heard from God. Heard from Mary. You see that little hearing. That little discovering, that gaining understanding and perspective made all the difference to him and his ability to know his place and commit to the future. I put it like this in my notes. I just want you to wrestle with this. Until you hear, you don't have the whole story. Keep listening. Until you hear, you don't have the whole story. What if, what if failing to hear in a relationship what if failing to listen in a relationship is like failing to put oil in the engine? That's it. Oh, well, we're, we're going to sit in this. What if listening is essential to getting a 350,000-mile relationship instead of breaking down with messy and broke? You would never have thought you could buy a new car and it would shut down just because you neglected oil. What if the art of listening is essential, the lifeblood of relationship? What if that's part of the answer? How do you build merry and bright relationships in a messy and broke world? What if, what if this really is the answer? Merry and bright relationships slow down. They do what, everybody? Slow down. I, I, I need to hear you. They do what? Slow down to what? Hear and be heard. Then write it down. Snap a picture. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. Don't, don't just. It would be like neglecting oil in an engine. Like, oh, this is no big deal. Give me something deep. Oh, this is deep. And while it's embedded in the Christmas story, it's direct through the Holy Spirit in the book of James. So if it wasn't clear from pulling it out of the narrative of the Christmas story, let's just jump to the book of James. The Holy Spirit says through James, my dear brothers and sisters, take note, take note, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Do you see it? This means yes. Do you see it? Do you know what he's teaching us? You have to change your speed. Relationships are built on a different speed. And you have to change your speed. It is not complicated to keep an engine running. Just keep, keep the oil up. It's not complicated in a relationship if you know that you have to change your speed. This is spiritually, biblically deep. You have to change your speed to listen. Let's go back to car driving. Those of us who understand how to drive, which many do not. <laughs> you know who you are. Actually, I fear you don't. That's of greatest concern. There are two speeds and two lanes. This isn't in the Bible, but it should be. There are two speeds and two lanes. There is the fast lane. The what lane? Which lane is that? It's the left lane. Some of you are unaware that there are two different lanes for two different speeds. The left lane is the fast lane. It's the passing lane. We could call it relationally the speed of life. Life has to have high speed where you're on the run, where you get stuff done, and a whole bunch of life and business is done at the speed of life. It's done on the left lane. Got it. The right lane is the slow lane. The what lane? Slow lane. That's for those of you who don't want to go fast. Get it in the right lane. That is the speed relationally of love, where you have to slow down to listen. Now, on the driving thing, there's a reason when you come up on a car in the left lane, they're behind you, they're faster than you. But it, no, that's not helpful. I can't say everything I'm thinking. <laughs> when you see bumper stickers that say, camp in the mountains, not in the left lane, they're trying to say something to you. Amen? Anyone? Amen? If you're all amening, who is in the left lane? Who is doing this? Get out of the left lane. I was, I was driving up 985 about a month ago, and literally, I just, I could just Drive the right lane because all the traffic for a mile was in the left lane. And I'm just passing them all in the right lane. Like, what? Do you have a clue? And the answer is no. God bless you in the name of Jesus anyway. And I prayed for each one of them as I drove by. Like, what is wrong with you? Get out of the left lane. I don't care if you're slow. Just get out of the left lane. That is irrelevant to my teaching. <laughs> Except to say... That if I did win the lottery, I would buy a supercar and, and I would get on the Autobahn. I would ship it over there, my own personal car. The Autobahn has no speed limit in several sections. It's the closest thing to heaven on earth, I'm sure. In fact, glory to God, you get a ticket if you're in the left lane going slow. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I would... I, I would get a Ferrari, I, I, would, I would get on the Autobahn, and I would get in the left lane, and I would do this.
many of you, by the way, that's 205 miles an hour, right there at 330 kilometers per hour. That's the Autobahn in a Ferrari. How many of you had a chance would take that car and drive it and do take a shot at that? Those, look again, do it again. Those are your Christians. <laughs> See all over the place. Wherever you are, 12 stone home, online community. How many of you would never do that? Well, you know who you are. How many of you don't care? You just like, you're sitting here like, really? I don't care that you don't care. Because that's what I would do if I had the money, if I won the lottery. I'd, I'd, I'd have so much fun. There are two speeds. Left lane is the fast lane. Think about this, not just driving, but in life. Men and women, there are two lanes. There's the speed of life. It's the fast lane. It's where you get stuff done. You do it on the run. But there is a slow lane. It's the right lane. And the right lane is the speed of love. You have to do that on a walk. And here's the point. If the art of relationships find out the lifeblood, the capacity to hear and be heard, to slow down, here's the point. You have to change your speed to listen. You have to change lanes. Do what? Change lanes from the left lane to the right lane. When it's time to listen, you cannot listen fast. Of all the things you can do in life fast, one of them <clears throat> is not listening. You can't listen fast. Now, I, I thought you could. They called me quick. Kevin, growing up, do everything fast. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just, I'm wired this way. When our family goes to the restaurant, I stop at the front door and I drop somebody off. I teach one of the kids, whole life, teach one of the kids, go get our name in. We're not waiting. Don't judge me. How many of you are that kind of person? You think about how fast you get in. Okay. When the waitress comes, have your meal ready. Know what you're going to order. I'll order for you. I don't care. <laughs> Well, I'm just looking over the menu. You had the whole drive here to think about what you wanted. Well, I'm just trying to taste it right now. I, are you kidding me? I knew before I got there what I wanted. When the waitress comes, we order now. I don't know why. I just have to. When, when I go grocery shopping, I only pick up 10 items or less. Because that's the fast lane. How many of you get in, the, get in the fast lane and count other people's items? How many? Just don't judge me. I stand there. I count. Two, five, six, seven, twelve, eleven. What do you like? I'm, I, if I didn't pastor, I would have the conversation. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's eleven. You belong down there in the slow lane. This is not for you. I don't understand people. I, I don't understand. Even when you are in the fast lane, hey, let me help us. When you get there and, and the guy or the gal is done calculating, they said, that will be 30 whatever dollars. It's, so many people are surprised. Oh, I have to pay for it now. Oh, now I'll get my wallet. You weren't thinking of that ahead of time? Oh, let me get my purse out. Wallet. There's my little grandbaby. Oh, that's when my kid did a little dance. Oh, here's my wallet. Here's my card. Should I put it in? 
fast lane. It's not a surprise you're going to have to pay for this thing. Be ready. Like when I'm in that lane, I got my wallet out. I got my credit card. And they want to have a conversation. We're not building a relationship. We got stuff to do. Just in, out, move on. I don't know why it takes so long to get ready in the morning. I just get this off. I, I don't care. I don't care. But I'm 15 minutes. You're like, for what? For a shower? No, some people shower for 15 minutes. I don't even understand it. I can get up in the morning and in 15 minutes be walking out the door. You're like, well, yeah, you look like it. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. That, that includes shave, shower, floss. And I mean a good shower. I mean, you know, scrub it down, get the pits. I mean, I'm not smelling afterwards. <laughs> floss, brush my teeth, do all the little stuff, dry my hair. You can't look this good without some effort. Pick my clothes, dress, out the door. I can do it in 15 minutes. I don't know why. Always have. <laughs> Drives everybody nuts. And so I thought I could listen fast. So it took me 10 to 15 years of marriage. I'm sorry, I'm slow. Apparently not, I'm fast. I talk fast, I walk fast. I could listen fast. And I remember when Marcia used to say, you're not listening. I said, yes, I am. And I would literally tell her almost word for word everything she said. <laughs> She was never impressed. Should have been. I'm like a tape recorder. <laughs> Took me 10, 15 years to figure out she's right. I was never hearing. I didn't get in the right lane so that I could slow down and get her perspective. Capture her heart. Understand her concerns. Absorb her angst. Sift what weighs on her. And I couldn't say it back in my own words like I understood her. One of the most transformative things to our marriage was when I figured out you can only listen slow. You can't listen fast. You have to get out of the left lane, out of high speed, out of the activity of life, out of drive, 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 out of a run, and you have to walk. And listen, if you can speak immediately after somebody shares what's on their heart, you weren't listening, you were just preparing to speak. This is what Proverbs means. When Proverbs says in chapter 18, verse 13, if one of you gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. It means you're a fool. You can't build a relationship. You're doing it in the left lane. You're thinking about what you're going to say instead of listening to what they said. If that's not clear, look at it in the message translation. This might be more helpful. Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. <laughs> Does that help? Some of you are like, oh, get my camera out. I want to get that. Get the camera in tight so they can take, snap a picture of it. See, that's true in marriage. It's true in friendship. It's true between parent and child. It's true among siblings. It's true in a church family. It's true with coworkers. It's true with friends. If you want to hear and be heard, you both have to slow down because you can't listen fast. And let's just be honest. You have to do it slow because we're different people. That's why they write books like Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. You're like from different countries. You speak a different language. 
you don't, you can't make sense. So I'm a fan of Jim Gaffigan. Anybody like the comedian Jim Gaffigan? Our family thinks he's, thinks he's hilarious. So, so I was listening to him, and here, here's a moment when he just makes sense to me of why it's so difficult, because when you're talking to people, some people, it's like different. Well, he was doing a little routine in Ireland, and here's his comment. You'll get it. It's, it's entertaining. You never knew what was gonna work. Sometimes there's a language barrier. There's different references. There's famous people in other countries we've never heard of. I was doing this show in Ireland before, doing the sound check before the show, and the sound guy was like, do you have any special requests? And I jokingly said, well, I'll probably close my show by singing Raglan Road, which is a famous Irish folk song based on a famous Irish poem. And the sound guy was like, oh, I don't recommend that. I was like, well, I was kidding, but why? And he goes, well, recently Billy Joel did that. And I was like, who's Billy Joel? <laughs> and he goes, you don't know who Billy Joel is. I was like, uh, uh, I'm from another country. I, I don't know who's famous here. What is it, Superman's dad? I don't know. <laughs> he goes, Billy Joel is from America. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's an American who's famous in Ireland that I've never heard of. <laughs> Oh, Billy Joel, piano man, uptown girl. And I was like, oh, you mean Billy Joel. And he goes, no, it's Billy Joel. And for a second I thought, maybe he's right. How many of you know that in a lot of your relationships, you're talking and you hear Billy Joel versus Billy Joel? And like, what's going on? Well, then you have to slow down in order to hear. Uh, I got to jump through this stuff. There's so much to hear right here. But I'm behind. So let's move on. That's not the only thing the Holy Spirit says. You want to have merry and bright relationships? Then you have to slow down to hear and be heard. What's that going to look like in your marriage? In your relationships? In your family? We're just change speed. Change lanes. Listen. But then he takes it one step further. In James chapter 2, he takes us to the next insight. And if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. In fact, I think I jumped the point. If you want to live merry and bright relationships, then you have to slow down to see and serve. The next thing he leads into in James is, if you really want to build merry and bright relationships, then you're going to have to slow down to see and serve. You have caring kind of dimension of listening and slowing down and connecting and hearing and understanding one another and hear and be heard. And it's not enough just to be heard. You got to hear. But then he says there's compassion. And so I want to take a moment to lead us into the offering that's going to be received today. This Christmas offering. Why would we do this? Why would we not merely talk about it, but actually go serve people? See them. I see you. I see the circumstances of your life. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to go get beyond myself and have compassion for someone else. Where did James get this? Why did the Holy Spirit stir this? In fact, James wrote an even more practical in verse 14, he said, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, 
This is so practical. Like, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I mean, this doesn't need more discussion. It just needs more doing. And where did James learn this? His older brother, Jesus. Things like the Good Samaritan. Maybe you're familiar with the story. Jewish man sets out, as Jesus tells this parable, on his way to work, gets beat up on the road of life by thieves, left on the side of the road for dead. Desperate position, condition. A couple of religious people walk by, see him, don't do anything. Maybe discussions and good intentions, but do nothing. Now, Jesus is answering the question, who is your neighbor? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? And then he says, then the Samaritan walks by. Now, Samaritan and the Jews, they were, couldn't get along. Samaritans were half-breeds, half-Jew and mixed race. And there's all sorts of division, polarizing. He said, but the Samaritan stops and the Samaritan cares for the guy's needs who, who's beat up on the road of life. And, and then he... We'll call it, take him, takes him to the hospital and, and pays for his healing process. And Jesus gets all done with this really amazing parable and says, now who was the real neighbor? And the obvious answer is the guy, not merely who talked about it, who did something. And then Jesus says, now go do and likewise. Don't, don't just gather together and talk about having compassion on others. Actually do it. You don't need to discuss it. You just need to do it. Today, we're going to receive a Christmas offering. We're going to be neighbors to people in need, people beat up on the road of life. We can't help everyone, but we can help someone. We can't do everything, but we can do something true. We can do something. We can make a difference. We can care for people who are beat up on the road of life. Three or four groups are going to help. Some single moms. Airborne Servants is a partner who comes alongside single moms, it kind of vets those who are working hard to, to get ahead, but they know reliable transportation is, is beyond their reach. And church, from this offering today, we're going to put about $100,000 worth of cars in the hands of 10 single moms who cannot solve reliable transportation, and it's going to be a beautiful and wonderful thing. Now listen, I... I don't have a supercar. I don't. I, I haven't won the lottery. I don't play the lottery, but I hadn't won it. And, and I don't have a supercar. And, but I have reliable transportation. And you think, I can't imagine being in the position where you just really can't get reliable transportation. But I remember that growing up. My parents divorced when I was in middle school and high school. Single mom. She, had no, she didn't even have high school education. She was a waitress. And she tore tickets at a roller rink. That's how we made a living. Government subsidized housing on food stamps in high school. And I was 15 years old. I remember the moment I can take you to it sealed in my mind. Where a family had compassion. And they drove up with a car and handed my mom the keys. Just turned the title over to her. I mean, blew our minds. Changed everything. If you don't know what a moment like that looks like, here's one example 
where they did just that. And we'll get to go do 10 more. Check it out. Gave these to me for some reason, but they're yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Oh God, I forgot about me. And I really tried it not to complain, but it was so hard to not be able to take my daughter to the doctor on time and to get to work on time. fun is that going to be over Christmas? That's the first thing we're going to do with the offering that's received today. The Christmas offering, 100% we're giving away. First, single moms, 10 cars. Second thing, there's about 3,000 kids in our surrounding area and counties who get breakfast and lunch at school, free and reduced lunch. You know, maybe it's not your dilemma and you don't understand it. As soon as they're off for Christmas, between there and New Year's, uh, there's so much food insecurity. And I really, really, and we're going to invest about $200,000 and we're going to feed 3,000 kids from Christmas to New Year's. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that honors God. And we're not going to just talk about it, we're going to do it. We also recognize that some of us with the inflationary circumstances and some economic downturn and circumstances that are just beyond sometimes your control and you feel a little bit beat up on the road of life. And some of us here were talking about receiving an offering. You're thinking like I could put a buck in and you're going to make a decision between giving your kids Christmas presents or a Christmas dinner. And we're just compelled uh, again this year to say, let your church family be a blessing to you. Let us cover dinner. And the campus pastors are going to discuss after the service today how to assist you in that. Let, let your church family uh, provide the resources for a Christmas dinner. And then you go buy gifts for your kids. And your church family wants to bless you. Yeah, church, isn't that really kind of our heart as a people to help those who are maybe in disadvantaged, beat up places of life. And then all the cool stuff we'll get to do with jambos and foster care kids and the like. So how's it going to work? Well, the offering's about to be received. Now there's ways for you uh, to give, and Pastor Jason detailed last week, and so some of you, you, you've come prepared for this, but everybody can do something. Some of us difference makers, and we already honor God with tithe, and, and, and so we've already done that, and that, that, that's an offering we give every week in the tithe and reoccurring online or however, however you do that. But then beyond that is this offering, and so our families made decisions. You know, what do we give beyond our, beyond our tithe? And so for us, if you're difference makers, you start saying, God, what would you have me to give? Some it's, it's, it's an X amount of money. Some it's a, another tithe. Some it's pulling out of, out of bank account. And listen, again, let me say this. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar. It doesn't matter if kids bringing banks today that matters in the kingdom of God whatever is commensurate to your income if it's 10 bucks 100 bucks a thousand bucks 10,000 100,000 doesn't matter whatever the spirit of God puts on you to give when you give it God says well done well done this is an offering to God but everybody can participate Maybe, it, maybe it's really you correcting drift financially and you heard the teaching last week and it's better to give than receive is awakening and you're correcting drift good for you maybe it's the first time you give but for you, you can give online. You can right now just text offering 
text offering to 37748. You're like, okay, we're about to receive an offering. But if you, if you don't have cash, you don't have uh, 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 a, a way to give by check. I, some of you probably don't know there's things called checks and you actually write them out. It's a whole nother old school thing. But maybe some of you brought a check. Well, here's what you do. You can take the offering envelope. Everybody grab one across the campuses in person. These are available. Again, if you're online, maybe this will be the first time that you give to something bigger than yourself. You can text offering to 37748. Maybe you're at 12 Stone Home, you can do the same. But in all the in-person, we have envelopes for the Christmas offering today. 100% of everything that gets given to the Christmas offering, we give away. You might not be familiar with this thing. It's called an offering envelope. They used to exist before COVID. We're going to do something else. Watch this. It's so strange. Excuse me. I got to grab this. This is called an offering basket. You haven't seen one in years. You're like, we don't even do that anymore. I know. It's so strange, isn't it? And then it's going to be handed and you pass it down the aisle to the next person. Like, what is this thing? It's a collection for an offering. And you fill out your offering envelope and you put it in, hand it to the next person. You're not taking out, you're putting in. <laughs> and then we take the whole thing and we give it away. Isn't that a beautiful thing? What we get to do together as a church. It's just a beautiful and powerful thing. And we do all of this out of God's kindness to us. Everything that we have comes from his hand. So why don't you prepare? Either text offering to 37748, get your checkbook out, fill out whatever, put cash in the envelope, whatever works for you. And let's just take a moment in the presence of God, grateful to him who lets us be a part, caring for people beat up on the road of life. Heavenly Father, thank you for every good thing that you entrust to us and your mercy and kindness to us, for giving your son for our sake. And now receive this offering. Use it to encourage and communicate to the world around how much they matter to you. So I'm going to turn the service over to the pastors and 
will engage in honoring God in the Christmas offering. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.